Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank, one minute at a time. I'm Dev. And I'm Hugh. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at minute 31, in which our protagonist returns to the scene of an emotional crime, shall we say, (laughs) in the radio station that this podcast bears its name from. And joining us on today's show, we have got Bubba Wheat of the Fight Club Minute podcast. Hey. Hey, how's it, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Looking forward to having you for the whole week we've got you. So looking forward to this. Nice. Should be fun. So, yeah, as Hugh said, we dive into this minute. We've just had uh, Martin Blank flee uh, from the recording studio and is kind of cooling his heels outside trying to figure out what the hell he's going to do uh before coming back in and uh getting primed for an interview uh by debbie with a little bit of a power play here as to who gets to sit in which seat and and what mm-hmm. there's a lot of it, 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 this is kind of like uh the point in the film where we we are a lot of the things we've talked about in previous episodes in terms of the way martin as a character works and the way things uh the way he, he, he his professionalism comes out in unexpected ways uh not least as psychosis you know uh we get to see that very clearly and at this point we are all in on the joke and i think that's what makes it uh you know so much fun this scene right there's there's, there's a lot as we've said before so much is packed into this film minute by minute and um this particular minute you've got just so much going on and it's just such a great not just the the editing of the scene, but the acting is just wonderful, and the tone, tonally, it, 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 it you this could be so easily ruined. <laughs> you know, it just takes a split second to destroy something as as tonally delicate as the way they end up making this scene. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, I think the play, especially with you know turning the blinds down and then wanting the other seat. Um, it plays out very differently for the two characters, right? Like this is just yeah. Martin's training kicking in as far as he's concerned. But yeah. from her perspective, it's very much like him trying to be the alpha male, trying to be dominant. Yes. Um, it's, it, it's very subtle in the way it's done as well, which I kind of like. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Baba, what's your take on it? Yeah, I am. Um... I also like I, I know like the, the switching seats I believe takes place next minute, but uh the like I always assumed that that was more of a power play and also just his like nervous energy or I think these days you'd almost call it his ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but then I I did realize that especially the switching seats is just his uh hitman instincts, you know, closing the blinds and then sitting with his back against the wall instead of uh, sitting with his back against the windows. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it's subtle. It's not really called out particularly, but it is. Yeah, but he just does it, right? That's the other thing yeah. I like about it is it's just he just does it. Like like he cannot <laughs> you you we get we've gotten used to the idea that he's a nervous fellow, but at this point you start to understand why he's always this nervous. <laughs> And they don't spell it out until they until at the hippo club whenever he that's right. you know yes. specifically mentions that. Yes. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Did he like, like, yeah? There's, there's as, as you guys were saying about you know the, the kind of male he is as well. There's an interesting thing in, in in which he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't. He's not very good at explaining to people or putting people at their ease as to why he is the way he is. He he think what he does is normal. <laughs> Everyone else is not normal in his world. <laughs> Or about half the people that he tells that he's a hitman, they just think that he's telling him a joke. I just think that's hysterical. I just, after all these years, this is this still makes me laugh when I watch the film. It's just the way everyone just goes, "Come on, man!" <laughs> I just like, it. Yeah. yeah. My favorite is uh, uh, you know closer to the end is Debbie's dad, where he's like, "Well, that is a growth industry." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the best lines. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh. And and we do also get a precious moment of um uh John Cusack doing his weird little skippy run as he comes back into the Yes the radio booth, which uh I, I just find the way he runs in this movie hilarious. And for somebody that's, you know, probably meant to be fairly athletic as a you know, given his time in the military and his career, it's just that <laughs> that sort of skipping run that he is doing in this film is is hilarious to me yeah i I was curious where because he's outside the studio and but he's definitely reacting as if he still hears the radio broadcast but i am curious as to where the where he's hearing the radio broadcast there's a speaker on the outside wall yeah they actually have Uh, speakers onto the high street so that everyone can hear them which i find very odd but i i i guess is a thing in some small towns i don't know um, <laughs> um they do pan to it i think in an earlier minute yeah, as he's driving through town so yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a queue up that he's probably going to be seeing it yeah, um, yeah. but you're right it, it is quite, it is a few minutes ago yeah yeah um but i i, I still don't yeah I, having worked in in university radio i do find it interesting that uh if, when you went into the building that had the radio station we weren't allowed like because it's a university building we weren't allowed speakers anywhere outside of the studio itself so the only time you started to hear what was on air is when you actually got into the reception to the studio that's where the speakers were like we weren't allowed to just like six speakers on the outside of the building i just find it really interesting and different as a kind of way i don't think i've ever been because i've been at the bbc a few times in london um and i've been to a couple of other places i don't think i've ever been anywhere in england where a radio station has external public speakers that's fascinating yeah i I can't think of it i mean you do get some restaurants here and there but not like a, a radio station yeah not not outdoors yeah i guess that says something about the whole community feel the small town feel you know, everybody, and and also, I guess this is early enough tech. I mean, we've talked about the tech before, but I guess there's enough people in this town who aren't particularly. You know, it's it's like you don't have a Walkman on or a radio on, and it's pre everyone using mobiles. So I guess that yep. kind of makes it okay. I suppose you walk down the high street and there's music and chat and local, very local <laughs> chat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I'm sure that when it first got put in, there were a bunch of people complaining about noise pollution or whatever, and it was just oh, yeah. not enough of a, a thing to stop anyone. I mean, doesn't Northern Exposure's radio station also have the speakers out in the street as well? I'm pretty sure it does, yeah. Weird. Um, I, I was trying to remember for sure, but I... I I'm pretty sure. It, it definitely does. plays it out as if like everybody outside can hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, oh, it is interesting. That's finally hit streaming, by the way. Someone there's someone cut the Gordian knot on all the music rights. So. Oh, really? Yeah, just that's, like that's literally generous. this last week. Yeah. So I haven't watched it in, in ages. I've got a friend who picked up the DVD set a, while, a long time ago and was raving about it. It's just as fresh as, as it was. But um, It does yeah. still hold up. Yeah. I mean, it falls apart in the later seasons. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most shows do. Yeah, yeah, true, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is something of the Northern Exposure sort of feel to Gross Point Blank in these scenes. Like, if he wasn't a hitman, this could very easily be an, an outtake from that kind of TV show in some ways. Um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where it's the violence that more than anything, that, as well as the big stylings, that makes it feel... That helps it feel like a movie, uh, as well as in its own reality. But the, the the emotional bits, you know, now that we've kind of suddenly switched genres, and you know, the feds trailing him have suddenly become comedic, and it's all about the relationship now, and we're kind of in rom com territory. Uh, but there is also something quite interesting about the way Cusack's playing it, and it reminds me of um, oh, what's the name of the guy who played Joel in Northern Exposure? Oh man, I've forgotten the actor's name because he was just, he was so good in Quiz Show and then later on in Numbers. But um, yeah, no, he's he, you know there's, there's there's a certain similarity of kind of a, a city youth youthful thing going on there, guy in the suit and all that, um, which I haven't really twigged before when we were doing the earlier episodes um, for the podcast, and it's kind of really hitting home now. Thinking about it, and one one other thing I like about John Cusack's performance is that he's not like in full hitman mode because I, I i feel like if a character that was in full hitman mode he would come in draw the blinds he would move his chair so he was sitting against the wall but mm. here he sits down and then he takes a beat and then he closes the blinds and then he sits back down and then in the next minute he closes the other blinds and then sw- switches seats so it, it's like all it's spread out because it's it's like he's not in hitman mood he he is yeah. trying to escape the hitman life and trying to be as close to a normal person as possible but mm-hmm. he can't get the the hitman ticks out of out of his uh, personality yeah mm-hmm. i think i think this whole situation is messing with his head just as much as it's messing with debbie's right like both of them are kind of thrown for a loop she's struggling to continue her broadcast He's 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 missing things that he would naturally do, and he's he's easing off of them, right? And we see that progress through the movie as he kind of is less and less neurotic, less and less professional, I guess, for for his profession. Mm-hmm. He's also sort of it helps us understand his uh, his attitude to Debbie as well, because you know up until them actually seeing each other, Debbie's been very much you know, talked about through his perception of her and or the the, his, his, the the therapist's perception of her. And this is and now that we, we've met her and now, you know, she's to some degree in charge of the situation, as it were. Um, it's He is also then, this is, you know, he's thrown not just by, I think you're right, Barbara, I think is he's thrown by both the fact that he's home and he's trying not to be the guy he, he has become, but then also he's seeing her again and that dynamic has barely gone away they they the, the electricity is right there and, and 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 that that takes over before they can get a chance to actually like 
be confused and angry and all the things that they are now. <laughs> and I feel like that's quite a, an interesting thing to watch him be this uncomfortable because um, we've only seen him be really uncomfortable about things to do with business, uh, killings that go wrong, um, irritation with his secretary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a very different dynamic um, and it humanizes him so much for us, I think, as an audience. I also think it's interesting the uh, how the the two of them kind of mirror each other in a way because or they're opposites at this point because uh, uh, Martin is is trying to put his uh, work life aside and get into his personal life and here he's sitting across from Debbie and Debbie is putting her work life first she is putting mm-hmm. this relationship discussion on the air as you know incorporating it into her professional life and basically putting her job first where he is trying to put his job second so yeah. that they're opposites in that way yeah that's true actually very true and in fact is 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 it, is it fair to say that we i suppose well this may be something that we can think about later on in the film but i do feel like um does she have anything else at this point in her life? Is is the job everything for her in a weird way? In the way his job is everything? I don't think so. I think it's not really made clear in the movie, but the right. sense I get is she has a reasonably healthy social life. Obviously, okay. she's divorced. She doesn't seem to have any pets. In fact, I think it's explicitly said she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the you know, her kind of comfort with folks at the reunion and and uh in the hippo club makes me think that she has a reasonably active social life like she's Mm. not okay you know completely throwing herself into her work i mean it's obviously a big part of who she is and uh it carries over into her social life as everybody knows her as the radio dj yes Um, but i I do think she's relatively balanced in that regard (laughs) Is anyone in this film balanced? <laughs> that, that, that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not a, it's a film, if anything, it's a, a film full of people striving for balance, I reckon. I mean, I, I'll tell you why I asked the question. I, I, it suddenly occurred to me that because I was, I was uh, it turned out before, before Christmas when my partner has never seen the film. So we sat down and watched it after we'd done one of the podcasts. And. Um, I was struck by a scene later on where we see her, her, her bedroom in her home, and I was just kind of like, has she, you know, has she stood still in certain ways? And obviously, when we get to that, that's a whole other scene. But just for now, here in the radio station, as you guys have said, you know, she's in control, she's in command, she's this is her space, this is her office. He's walked into her workplace, but the fact that she's able to keep not just keep going after the initial kiss and keep talking and turn it into content and then find a way to still put him on the spot and uh, be in control. I just, I just, this all strikes me as not, not just, it's not just professional. It's somebody who is, you know, she's used to this idea. This is who she is. She, she spends most of, you know, most of her days are spent here on the mic. And she sees the world of the of the of the of the of the, of the town through the window, and I, and I just sometimes I just suddenly wondered. I wonder if she what she does if she does involve herself or has that weird distance she has with everyone else from when she was at school 
just turned into an adult weirdness of oh yeah you're the one who'll talk about us in, on the radio if we if we you know if we say anything so we'll be careful around you i don't know it just small towns are weird like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be surprised if she has like a 60 hour work week yeah just to not get involved with anyone else <laughs> you know oh dear but it is yeah it is interesting being a dj so we have you know in 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 past episodes cited this version of the script that he unearthed with of of a previous revision and um in in this particular minute we see a an interesting change where you know it's fairly apparent to martin right at the get-go that this is on air this is being recorded he points to the on-air sign that's lit up Mm -hmm. um whereas in the 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 draft that we've been looking at uh it reads debbie clandestinely flips the on-air switch as she drops into a chair the Mm -hmm. on-air light bar goes on uh, above Mm -hmm. and behind martin unbeknownst to him their conversation is put out over the airwaves Mm -hmm. and it actually carries on in that vein for quite some time before he cottons on and yet the conversation plays out much the same way. Um, you know, it's it's still a, a pretty candid conversation. It's almost word for word as it's written in the version of the script we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that interesting because I'm not sure, thinking about it now, knowing that originally he was giving these answers, not knowing he was on air as, yeah. as written in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if his character would have been as this forthcoming if he knew he was on air. Or if he'd have just climbed up? Hmm. That's a very good question. Is it answered is a question, another question. I'm not sure. I f- hmm. hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think the only thing you can put it down to is that he's so unsettled that he's just <clears throat> kind of not even really paying attention to the fact that he's on air and he's just trying to say the right things with Debbie. I'm messing it up still, but you know. <laughs> Do you think it's about the dynamic? Do you think that on the page that makes Bit Debbie seem more of a manipulative cow? Whereas... Yeah, um, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure that's why it got pulled from the script. Yeah, I, I mean, there's it's very hard to redeem a character that's doing something like that. Um, I, I mean, because it is also at this point, it's nothing but men who have worked on the script as well. I should point out, so it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's an all bloke writing team. So I, I imagine, yeah, some of the changes I think are. But I, I, if, there is something about uh, we've said in previous episodes the way they're framed in the window, and the, 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 the yes, she's slightly shorter than him, but there is very much a sense of balance and partnership. Uh, and and I think that's maybe the thing they that by by re orientating the the whole notion of what is happening between them it allows for a the comedy of him like pointing at it going and her going you know putting him on the spot <laughs> uh but also allows you to have the actors do a lot more i think that's also more interesting i also like that there is this slight level of respect for that he gives for her job because he doesn't just blurt out and say, are we on the air? He does say it, you know, point and silently say it. Mm. So that's because the, I, I feel like that that's a little, a little bit of respect for her job in a way that, that he's not like making a fool of himself and like asking, are we on the air out loud while he's on the air? <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
and and you know he does go along with it for quite a while. Yes, yeah. he plays along as as long as he's comfortable with. Probably a little beyond that, frankly. And considering <laughs> that you know he's he's been as he's been a hitman for all this time, like it, I can't work out if it's a if it's just he knows no one will believe him in his hometown, so he's just okay to be himself, or whether it's the fact that. Um, anyone who has seen him up close who isn't from the town is probably dead. Um, or whether it's the fact that it's almost like a, a joke on James Bond, you know, the whole idea of the guy who uses his own name everywhere he goes, even though he's meant to be, like, you know, undercover. I think it's the latter, right? Like, he is in part here to do a job. Mm. Going around blurting your real name whilst you're going to do a job is... Mm. I mean, I think this is just, like, that that Hollywood cinematic... Mm. you know piece to it but otherwise you have a guy who comes back into town who's telling everybody that he's his, like a hitman mm. and then you know a bunch of people get killed <laughs> and you're like well there's no way the police are going to figure out who did this <laughs> yeah yeah like like if you did this film now that somebody would insist that there had to be like you know some way you write the police in and their response but then of course that's the joy of like in the first john wick you know they they literally go with that joke right because everyone knows him it's like you know the policeman does it hey john neighbors have reported some noise (laughs) and he's like are you back on the job Ah, not exactly. Oh, okay. You know, and I just remember thinking, though, you know, you know that Chad Stelsky and David Leach know Gross Point Blank, right? Like, you know, they know it because that that little kind of nod to this idea of how these things work and the kind of comedy of someone who does commits extreme bodily violence out in the open and somehow getting away with it all is um, is very much at the heart of, of of Gross Point Blank. And I don't think anybody does it quite as well either before or since. I think people have done it seriously before better in terms of like you know the mechanics of the day of the jackal or something right but um uh but yeah nobody's done it quite as like gross point blank there's just not another film like it okay then this was minute 31 of the gross point blank podcast debbie radio 79.5 fm featuring co-hosts co-writers co-producers dev Saligo and myself hugh david today's guest was bubba week from the Fight Club Minute podcast. And where can we find you, Bubba Wheat? Uh, you can find me everywhere on social media where I'm at Bubba Wheat. I, I think these days I'm primarily on Instagram and a uh, little bit on threads. And uh, Fight Club Minute is available on all the podcatchers out there. And we're also a part of the Rabbit Hole Podcasting Network, which you can find us and a bunch of other great podcasts at rabbitholepodcasts.com. Nice. Uh, you can find us on all good podcast players as well as on YouTube, X, formerly known as Twitter, Spotify, all of those at Debbie Radio, and that's Debbie spelt D E B I. And also on our website, again, DebbieRadio.com, and that is also D E B I. And finally, if you wanted to have a come and chat with us, find us at the Facebook listeners group, which again is also called Debbie Radio 79.5 FM fan club this time so d-e-b-i radio sure was clear that all of this was new concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time